Welcome to episode number one, uh, or I guess number two, the first real episode uh, of the Millennial Homeowner. I'm your host, Thomas Harrington. So this is the show where we educate and empower the next generation of homebuyers uh, and help bring you, the millennials, one step closer to home ownership. Uh, Again, I'm your host, Thomas Harrington. I'm a real estate agent in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Uh, I'm a millennial, currently age 26, four years in the business, uh, and kind of bringing and sharing my knowledge uh, with you. So today, today is a very big heavyweight championship match showdown here. Okay, sorry, I had a let's get ready to rumble clip, uh, but it is not working. So big heavyweight showdown, condo versus a house, right? So uh, in my tenure this far as a real estate agent, uh, I see a lot of first-time buyers and millennial buyers kind of struggle with the decision between a condo and a house for your first home purchase, and maybe not even your first purchase, maybe your second uh probably not third realistically being a millennial anyways uh, a house may feel like more privacy and an opportunity to do some work uh, improve the property build equity alternatively uh, we can definitely be described as the convenience generation uh, as the uh, lifestyle design generation so a condo in the heart of the city is going to be very appealing for uh, a lot of buyers as well so Truth be told, there is no clear-cut answer. Sorry to disappoint. You know, there won't be a winner uh, at the end of this episode, like, uh, you know, episode 8 of Game of Thrones, uh, condo or home, neither will sit on the Iron Throne. They'll probably have to share it. Uh, I can't tell you which is the best option, but I can definitely tell you, uh, well, after helping people with many, many, many home purchases purchases of all shapes and sizes, Uh, I can at least give you a very comprehensive list of pros and cons for each respective type of home or respective type of property. And hopefully you're coming out of this article today with a better understanding uh, of what best suits your needs. Now, before we begin, I just need to say, you know, if you have any questions about condos or homes in Edmonton and the greater Edmonton area, uh, the pros and cons of each, how the purchase process works, don't hesitate to reach out, uh, hello at thomasharrington.ca is my email, or uh, you can find me online, thomasharrington.ca, uh, Instagram at thomasharrington.ca, or just type in Thomas Harrington Real Estate uh, into your internet browser. I should pop up. Now, just to clarify or a disclaimer here, but um, for the most part, when I say house, I mean a detached single family home or I should say a single family home, and that can be a detached freestanding house, or it could also be a duplex. And then when I say a condo, I'm speaking about an apartment style condo, whether it's high rise or low rise. Uh, Something like a townhome is typically considered a condominium, but for the arguments made today in this article, uh, townhomes generally split things right down the middle. Uh, it's a relatively healthy mix of everything I'm about to cover. Uh, so for the purpose of purpose of today's article, I'm largely, and today's show, I'm largely going to be talking about uh, either apartment style, condos, or single family houses. And then uh, townhomes are arguably a discussion for another day. Now, Before we get into the meat and potatoes here, I want to give you a definition. Uh, When it comes to condominium, I'm actually often asked, what exactly is a condominium? What is a condo? You know, what makes my apartment a condo? What makes my condo an apartment? Uh, People kind of use the terms 
interchangeably and don't understand the difference uh, or they don't even know there is a difference and, and there there is so condominium is actually derived from a couple latin words that mean shared ownership quote unquote uh, or shared property quote unquote so a condominium is technically any type of real estate where there is some type of common ownership amongst owners in the condo complex so it does not have to be a apartment style building you can have um a well that's how townhouses fall into it you could even have uh like a detached house still technically be considered a condo condominium when there's shared ownership of property now uh what that means in the apartment setting is you own your unit but then you also own a share of the building itself so in theory you can think of it you own like x percent of the elevators the stairs the parkade uh you own a small portion of that so uh, the pros and cons, here it is, uh, the good and bad, the, the pretty and the ugly, uh, owning a home versus owning a condo, uh, conveniently divided into six-ish categories for you. Again, for this podcast, uh, I'm actually taking this from an article I've written and posted and will be posting these together on my website, uh, thomasharrington.ca or thomasgharrington.com, uh, and then just tap the blog tab and you can follow along there. So the, uh, these are again six-ish categories. So, number one are costs and fees. So, to start with the broadest category, generally speaking, when it comes to purchase price, uh, condos give a very affordable option in the suburbs. Uh, low-rise condos a bit further out of the center. Uh, typically, these are a bit newer, at least in Edmonton's market. You still are often close to schools and amenities and a good price point without too high of condo fees. Generally speaking, uh, condos are a bit cheaper than homes across the board. I don't think that's news. And then when it comes to the niceness of them, uh, well, with a 300K condo and a 300K home, for example, will be quite a bit different with uh, the home or with the condo being quite a bit, quote unquote, nicer than the home, a 300 grand home in Edmonton. Uh, not that it won't be nice, but uh, typically going to be a little more dated, might need some updates, might need some repairs. Uh, now, this d- assumption doesn't factor in condo fees. So when it comes to a monthly cost of a 300k condo, uh, because in Edmonton in that price point, it's going to be a bit nicer getting to the nicer end, uh, depending on what area of town you're in. It will be more expensive because you're going to have a few hundred dollars of condo fees as well, right? So uh and then costs and fees, I guess, has two subcategories in terms of we're talking purchase price, and we're going to get into it in terms of uh, condo fees as well. So the dreaded condo fees. So speaking to the millennials here, uh, it's likely if you ask your parents, grandparents about condo fees, um, most of the time uh, they'll say something along the lines of, oh, they're a ripoff. And this is a fairly broad statement and frankly, quite misinformed if you ask me, right? You know, just kind of the generation before us, I have found speaking in anecdotes anecdotes, uh, with our parents, grandparents, people, there are some people who are condoites, if you will, but for the most part, most of them grew up in a house, lived in a house, bought houses, sold houses uh, in terms of a detached home. So they'll tell you condo fees aren't a ripoff, but uh, let's dissect those a little further. So <clears throat> first and foremost, what I like to tell people is condo fees aren't just for fun, right? Uh, the money does actually go somewhere. And often a portion of your utilities are paid for 
through these condo fees, meaning you would pay that specific cost either way. Uh, so when we get into like downtown central condos in Edmonton and in most markets, you will actually have <coughs> heat and water is almost always included in your condo fees. Something to consider, uh, especially with heat uh, in Edmonton here. And then the electricity is a separate cost. And there is a few reasons for that, uh, but just know that's kind of the rule of thumb. So, uh, and a more immediate benefit to you is uh, you pay the condo fees that cover the day-to-day and month-to-month maintenance of the condo building. Like I said, you do own a small share of the entire building itself. Someone has to do the landscaping, the snow removal, the common area maintenance, uh, the utilities for those common areas. Uh, if you have like a gym or something as well, someone's got to keep the lights on there. Uh, all the items that are essential to the operation of a condo building, an apartment building, I, I shouldn't should say that, I should say a condo building is, uh, you know, there's a lot of day-to-day operations. It's a big moving machine and we need to keep things running, right? And then part three of condo fees here is the long term. So you're paying into the reserve fund. um, And what this is, is a contingency fund managed by the condo board and management company. And it's to save up and plan for long term, larger maintenance items. So think window replacement, repaving the parkade, roof replacement, elevator repair, elevator replacement. Excuse me. All these items are an eventuality for any condo building. Uh, so <clears throat> you as an owner, part of your fees do go into contributing to that and building uh, that reserve fund up. So to kind of contrast this, uh, we could say a home has uh, lower fixed monthly costs, meaning you don't actually have to put a, a much put as much uh, aside for your utilities, right? Uh, everything is solely managed and controlled by you. Or I should say you're really only putting money aside from your utilities. Uh, you don't have to pay into maintenance costs. You don't have to pay into, uh, call it a reserve fund or kind of a slush fund. Um, but this means you uh, have to roll up your sleeves, uh, mow the lawn, shovel the snow, clean the eaves troughs, all part of being a homeowner. Now, just an aside that I sometimes tell people to think about is when you're weighing the true cost of a condo versus a, a home, at least look into or think about how much it costs to hire out your exterior maintenance, get a shovel, get a, you know, snow removal guy, get a lawn care guy, whatever. Just something to think about when, if you price out what that costs on a monthly basis versus what your potential condo fees would be, you know, the convenience of a condo, you're not just throwing your money away. It does cover a lot of things. And like I said, so you can have your long-term, your short-term, uh, and then partially, partial utilities too. Got to, got to keep, uh, the heat running, right? So that's it for the fees of a con or costs, I should say. Uh, I'll probably come back to list price a couple times here, just looking at my notes, <clears throat> but this, uh, this whole point about reserve fund versus you having to, uh, well, not pay into that when you own a home, well, this transitions nicely to category two of repairs and maintenance. So uh, supposedly with condo fees being a ripoff, well, at least your money is going somewhere, it's being kept somewhere, it's being managed. Uh, typically, professional management companies invest reserve funds into very, very safe uh bank investments, kind of like guaranteed stocks and bonds and stuff. So uh, 
it, it goes somewhere, it's taken care of, uh, it's building for the future of the building as a whole. Uh, now from the breakdown above, uh, well, obviously the most important is the canopy. Uh, and it, I would just say, really understand that it goes towards tangible improvements. Now the counterpoint to this is with many large projects for a condo, like a roof, the windows, the elevators, those have very, very long lifespans. So if you were to live into a condo for say even five years, which is a long time, let's pretend you buy it at age 25 and you wanna to move to a home at age 30, well, there's a decent chance that in your time living there, you won't see any of those projects uh, happen, right? Especially if it's like say a, a new-ish or brand new building you you won't see those projects happen so you you know you will be paying into that reserve fund contribution however you won't really live to see the benefit in that specific building so when uh you purchase a home though however which i tell people is don't forget when you purchase a home and something goes wrong the furnace goes out the roof does not have any usable life left in it and you get slept with the bill that bill is yours alone, right? Uh, now, this isn't necessarily a bad thing because when you're purchasing a home, you will have an idea of how old the furnace, the roof, the windows are, etc. You can plan accordingly uh, and the home should be priced accordingly. But just understand when it comes to mechanical utilities, all that stuff, um, it is your sole responsibility when you buy a house. So... Uh, that's really just something for you to think about, right? Uh, are, are you comfortable dealing with that? Making sure you do your due diligence as a buyer. Check on, a, you know, get a professional inspection. Make sure you know where all those things are at, uh, how much useful life is left on them. Usually there's some. You won't be replacing everything tomorrow unless you are looking for like a fixer-upper. Different story. Now, the good thing about that is when you buy a home, no one's making you pay condo fees. Great. But the problem with that is there's no one making you contribute, making you pay condo fees, making you uh, contribute to a reserve fund or set aside a monthly cost, right? So saving up a slush fund to cover house repairs is 100% up to you. And it actually requires a decent amount of self-discipline, right? Like let's say you know your furnace needs to be replaced within three years of purchasing your home. Uh, you should be setting aside money every month on top of all your new costs for your new home. Well, that requires a lot of self-discipline uh, and you, you just have to plan accordingly. You're not gonna have anyone doing it for you. Excuse me, where uh, a professional management company, despite what you hear about them, they do know what they're doing when it comes to managing the money of condos almost all the time. So uh, when you move into your first home, something to think about if you're buying a slightly older property, uh, and that's kind of the offset of uh, condo fees, right? So this ties nicely into the next point. Category number three here is control over the condition. So what I mean by this is how directly you can impact your home, whether that's a house or a condo. So for a house, you can directly affect and control the condition of the property. Uh, maintenance is entirely up to you. 
right? So the grass can get as long or be as short as you want it to. Uh, also things like improving curb appeal, landscaping, lawn care maintenance are your job, but that it can be a good thing where you can actually improve the value uh, of your home and make it look the way you want, right? Uh, you're generally not gonna be waiting on a management company to handle little things. You know, if you don't like the way the grass is done or there's some sort of issue or something's not done in a condo building, yeah, you can call them, but it might take a little while to get, get the care person, uh, maintenance person out, right? So uh, the inverse is a condo where you can make lots of changes to your unit, which is the same as a house, right? You can add new flooring, you can change the de decor, you can paint it, same with, with, with a condo. I mean, generally you can't be knocking down walls and stuff, but you can do a decent amount of renovations, make it look better, improve it. Uh, but the building itself is for the most part not gonna change or uh, it's a collective effort if something is going to be done, like if you're going to recarpet the hallways because you have some lovely 70s uh, red carpet in there, right? So uh, basically, it's how much direct impact you can have. So with a condo, uh, all decisions, particularly large ones, and even most of the small ones, uh, are made at the board level, which means there's a vote, there's a group consensus, which isn't inherently a bad thing because you have a variety of opinions, but uh, you know, uh, and that means all owners have roughly an equal voice, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you do give up a level of control and choice to the management company, which is sometimes for the best because they know what a condo needs and doesn't need. They can prioritize uh, projects on a, uh, let's call it a slightly older condo or a condo where some sort of project is coming up. Uh, they can make good choices about uh, money, making sure they're set, charging appropriate condo fees so there's no shortages down the road. Uh, just really prioritizing things, right? So, but conversely, you as the condo board uh, hire that management company effectively. So, uh, and a general tip here that I tell people for condos, there's a bit of a saying out there, and I think this is so true, is everybody wants to live in a well-managed condo, but no one wants to be on the board. So how do you solve this problem? Join your condo board, right? Uh, condo boards are made up of volunteer owners. It's all people who live there. And it's a great opportunity to have your voice heard and help ensure your building is well run, run the way you like. Uh, meetings are open to all owners, generally speaking. Uh, and even if you don't want to be on the board, attend regularly, just so you know what's going on. Be You should, I think, be involved. Uh, I've had some clients step up and do this. Uh, I even had one gentleman who uh, I helped him purchase a condo. He ended up becoming the president of his board. You know, so it's an opportunity for you to take the reins. So yes, you sacrifice some control with uh, purchasing in the condo. It's an, other people have a say, same say as you, but you can uh, impact it hopefully in a positive way by joining the condo board, right? So moving on, uh, kind of another category where there's pros and cons between the two is resale value, right? Now, resale value is very much dependent on market conditions and a lot of other factors, right? Uh, for what holds its better value better, you cannot definitively say a house or a condo, uh, especially in Edmonton's market where there's markets for each. It's a lot more dependent on uh, micro factors. So, but with that being said, there's some more clear cut uh, pros and cons of each. So for central location, that's always a plus for condos. 
uh, especially in a city like Edmonton that is seeing a lot of continued growth, a lot of urban sprawl, uh, meaning suburbs are further and further away from the core downtown entertainment areas. And uh, generally speaking, you know, if you buy into a downtown high rise, it will always be just that a downtown high rise. So, uh, however, central condos are not always entirely recession proof. Edmonton is unfortunately not a quote, quote marks here, build it and they will come type city. Uh, many newly constructed condos in recent years have a significant number of unsold units uh, and that therein drives down the sale prices as the developer uh, on their end uh, can drop prices more than some person, right? And that puts downward pressure on not so new condos. So we see this with uh, particularly in Edmonton, a lot of the mid 2000 downtown condos, right? Where uh, those places built kind of in around 07-ish, if not a bit earlier and a bit more cookie cutter by today's standards, right? Excuse me. So there was a bit of a hot time there where a bunch of those buildings were built. People were just coming here to the city. Uh, they weren't quite as artsy and trendy as uh, some places are now. And, you know, obviously those sort of things change with the times. But, you know, they lack the floor to ceiling windows, some building amenities, glass exteriors, etc. And these 2000, mid 2000 buildings overall have taken probably the biggest hit in recent years, uh, as buyers have the option to buy a new or relatively new condo in those same trendy areas uh, for the same price. And it's almost new. So part of this factor is the ice district wasn't a sure thing. And it's Unlikely anyone could have really predicted this even 10 years ago. And there really isn't another Canadian city seeing this much of a dramatic change to downtown. So that's kind of one unique micro uh, market that got affected quite a bit uh, because of changing circumstances, right? Now, however, this is a plus for you as buyers as you have a great opportunity to buy into the action, right? And it'll be interesting to see the long-term economic growth caused by the ice district, how it brings up the surrounding areas. Uh, whether you go new or something a little older that's a little cheaper now, uh, there, there's a few great opportunities to get into the area there. So to the above, uh, the more central house, the better it will hold value and more likely to appreciate. So uh, if you're hoping to build wealth long term on your first home, a decent strategy would be, would be to invest in a more up and coming area. Ultimately, we can kind of predict the path of infill and reinvestment in this city, particularly infill, uh, as developers continue, continue to expand and spill over into new and different uh, subdivisions and neighborhoods. So in theory, you could live in a nice home, uh, enjoy it for a few years, maybe do some upgrades, or just uh, enjoy that central location, build some equity, and then ultimately sell for a healthy increase once we see uh, more and more investment in your area. <clears throat> And just to that point, uh, central-ish areas like let's go Edmonton, like something like Laurier Crestwood, which is now priced out for us young people a little bit. Years ago wasn't, but it close proximity to downtown, that was probably to a degree predictable, I would say, to a lot of people and a lot of agents working at that time. So uh, let, let's take a good look at a map and where investment's going, where, uh, where new transportation is going. We can pick out a few good areas. Personally, if you've made it this far, just to give you a hot tip, two areas I really like. Uh, I would say anything southeast central, kind of along Bonnie Dune Mall, uh, the new LRT line, a lot of investment in those areas. Uh, 
solid area, River Valley access, easy to get to White, easy to get downtown. Not totally runaway prices in there. I mean, if you go like Bonnie Dune, that's specifically that's bad. A little further east than that. Some really good, great opportunities there. And we can watch and see if these new high rises happen around there. Uh, another area I really like is Highlands. Uh, I foresee the area of Highlands kind of that main intersection, which is about 66th Street and 112th Ave, you know, there's like, uh, there's a couple nice restaurants, and a cool old, old hotel there. I could see that being like uh, the next kind of 124th Street, some nice older homes, lots of beautiful character in there, still up and coming. And there's some not so great areas around it and some, uh, some of the main drags you might not want to be right on, but those are uh, a couple areas where I see some good potential for sure. Now, just on... Uh, my last point about uh, building equity in a home, I'm just going to go ahead and directly contradict myself here. Don't buy your home, that's home with a capital H, whether it's a condo or a house, to get rich and make a bunch of money. Make a smart investment, don't overpay, but it truly takes a long time for real estate to appreciate, to especially to such a point uh, that it will see an increase in value for you to truly profit from the sale. So instead, it's better to focus on finding the right home that will fit your needs, check the boxes, ensure it is good value, and ultimately build equity long-term. Really gonna be the dead horse of, excuse me, long-term here. So the one thing I tell people about is, let's open up an account at the bank of your house. You have to pay to live somewhere. If you live in a place even for five years, you will build up a decent amount of equity, even if you start with just minimum 5% down payment. So if you made a smart purchase, your area will likely have appreciated, uh, if not held value, and then uh, hopefully pulling out thousands upon thousands of equity uh, after your transaction costs, etc. So by all indicators, at the end of the day, guys, we will likely never see the appreciation our parents did. In other words, uh, your parents, my parents, may have paid somewhere around 100 to 200 k for their first home here in Edmonton in the 70s, 80s, even into the 90s. And then if they were to sell it today, even if it's not perfect market conditions, it's going to be at the very least like double, uh, if not much more of what they paid. So uh, what do we collectively do as a generation, as us future millennial homeowners? Well, I would say always buy for the long-term growth. Find a home that fits your needs, cover your bases from an investment point of view as well. Uh, a wise mentor once told me, buy a home because it's 50% a good investment and 50% because you love it and you can see yourself living there. Uh, I always felt that was really great advice and would recommend that to keep it in mind, right? Don't go too heavy on investment. Don't go too heavy on the convenience and how much you love it. Split it right down the middle and make smart decisions that way. Now, uh, point number five, moving on here. I'm just gonna take a little sip of my water. That would explain the random pauses, by the way, uh, throughout the episode, in case you were wondering. So point number five is lifestyle and lifestyle design. So uh, it is definitely said that we are the convenience generation as millennials, and I would fully agree. And you gotta look at the surge in convenience and delivery apps, websites, companies, and the like. Uh, I, I think we can all step back and admit this is true as well. So uh, a large factor in the debate between a condo and house is going to be lifestyle design. So what do I mean that by that? Well, if you want walkability, close to restaurants, shops, entertainment, nightlife, well, central location is definitely going to be the, the answer there. 
and more likely a central condo over a central home in Edmonton. Most of the homes in the central areas are getting a little older. I mean, there's some good potential there. Some of them are getting a bit priced out because land values kind of ran away. I think around the U of A area, for example. However, if you enjoy the handiwork, tinker around the house, yard work, uh, a home in the suburbs with a large yard might be something to consider. And there's any permutation of combination in this guy. So if you want walkability, uh, close to trails, uh, close to a school, uh, close to your work, blah, 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 whatever your criteria is, there's something out there for you. But consider what you want your life to look like living there, right? If on a Sunday afternoon, you can see yourself enjoying some work in the yard. Yeah, go for the suburb house with a big, uh, big yard, obviously. If you're a handy person, you know, maybe you're not going to be gutting the place, re-renovating it, but you can see yourself doing some work and you want to add some value to your home. Go for like, let's go for a 70s, 80s build where things are perhaps a little dated, but not totally shot. It's still some useful life. And then you can work on it uh, here and there. So uh, to the above, street noise is a decent factor to think about, right? Uh, and if you're someone who's lived in the suburbs your whole life and want to move downtown because it's cool or whatever, that's awesome. Uh, but you're going to have a lot more street noise uh, living on Jasper Avenue compared to, say, uh, 215 Street on the West West End, right? So uh, perhaps if you're worried about that or, you know, don't like traffic or worried about the street noise, uh, kind of a healthy healthy mix, uh, maybe a more suburban condo for the lower maintenance option in a much less busy area. The point I'm being is, trying to make here is there's, uh, well, no clear cut answer, but think about what your lifestyle, your lifestyle design is going to be like, and let's find a solution for that. And you know, what, what's important to you. So, uh, number six here, newness. Uh, this may be a bit obvious, but how new a property, uh, well, how new it is varies a lot uh, depending on property classes and also at a, a certain price point. Now, to illustrate, say you're looking for under 300000 Well, you're going to have a lot of great options for condos, also townhomes just on the side. Uh, and if you want something moderately new, if not brand new, it is appealing overall, I will say, to trend towards newness as young people. Uh, just when you're starting out, right, you don't want to get into a home that has tons and tons of repairs or unexpected repairs or issues and maintenance because you're going to have to come up with more cash to to pay for those. So new is very appealing. And I would say uh, as millennials, we trend towards that mm, 60, 70% of the time, something somewhat new. So uh, under 300K, you're going to have a lot of new stuff for condos and townhomes, uh, if not brand, brand new. However, to attach them with that price point will either be older and need a bit of work uh, or a smaller kind of newish one, uh, depending upon what area you want to be in. So, uh, and then if we go look at like 400k, 425k, uh, more options, that's opening up more and more options for new and relatively new home. Like we're, th we're talking homes the same age as us guys, like 1990 and beyond sort of thing. Uh, and condo for Edmonton, regard well, downtown or anywhere, once you get to 400,000, you're getting more and more into that higher end, uh, a little more, let's call it executive price point. So uh, again, it depends where you want to be. Now, generally, you can speaking, speaking, uh, you can see how the scales even out a little bit at a 
at a higher price. Uh, price isn't 100% correlated with how new a home or a condo is. Uh, but generally speaking, how much you are looking to spend on your first home will determine how new it is, amongst all the other factors, obviously. So overall, my goal here is not to scare, scare anyone out of any one type of property or not. Uh, ultimately, my goal is to... Uh, present both options as object as objectively as possible. I've helped people buy a lot of condos. I've helped people buy a lot of houses and I've helped a lot of people buy townhomes. Again, kind of splitting it down the middle for argument's sake. So uh, there's not really a definitive answer, a definitive guide of which is better, which is better for you. That is your decision to make. Hopefully some of these points here have been uh, thought provoking and I just want to help you as the millennial homeowner, future millennial homeowner, uh, understand kind of the realities of purchasing different types of properties. And maybe you learn something you didn't think about, uh, whether good or bad, right? So there's a lot of pros and cons to each. The largest determining factor is the buyer. What do you want? What do you need? Where do you see yourself in five years? Are you willing to do some work to your home? How much of your free time are you willing to dedicate to home maintenance? And by maintenance, I don't mean fixing things. I mean like mowing the lawn, right? Uh, if you take any way, anything away from this article, uh, when you're purchasing a home, go through a list of questions. Even go th back through, go check out the blog post and check some of the questions in here. Uh, by yourself or with you and your significant other, whoever, you and your parents, and go through and have a very honest conversation with yourself of where you fit, where you wanna be in terms of, well, everything I talked about here today, price, control over condition, repairs and maintenance, resale value, lifestyle design, newness, the whole shebang. So hopefully uh, this will give you some better guidance on that. So there you have it. That's buying a condo versus a house uh, for your first home or your next home. So again, if you're looking for uh, to purchase a home or sell a home and purchase your next home in the Edmonton area, don't hesitate to contact me. Uh, hello at thomasharrington.ca. Cheers. That's all for this episode. Thanks again for listening. I hope you found some value in this content here. Uh, this is Thomas Harrington signing off. Bye.